Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in the 15th chapter of St. Luke, beginning at the 11th verse. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him." And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father has killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends, in Christ Jesus. And it is a good morning, isn't it? And I hope that you are all relaxed here in church, that you are glad that you have come. Today, as you know, is the third Sunday after Trinity. And the text that I just read, you know very well the story or the parable of the prodigal son, the errant son. In this parable, Jesus wants to assure us of something. He wants to assure us of this that God delights in forgiving a backslider when he comes back. That God rejoices that it's the thrill of God, our Father's life, to rejoice and to, again, to reinstate the backslider when he comes back, even though he has wasted his life and thrown it away, even though he has 
spent his life in riotous living, that even though the backslider, when he returns, even though he has lived it up, even though he has had himself a ball, even though he has wasted his days in wine, women, and song, in drunkenness, in immorality, in carousing, Jesus assures you and me this morning that God, our Heavenly Father, delights and he thrills to forgive that backslider and to reinstate him. That's what the parable is all about. You see, here was that younger son that asked his father for his inheritance. Then we are told he went into a far country and he really lived it up. Uh, he went on a binge and believe you and me, there was nothing in the gamut of immorality from A to Z that he didn't do. He went out and he had himself a ball. It was wild living all the way. He wasted every day in that kind of living. He went out and he certainly had himself a binge and he certainly had himself all of the immoralities that could come. He simply had every escapade that a human being could have. It was a wild life if there ever was one. But then he came to himself and he decided to go home. Again, because there had come once and he lost everything that he had and he went out when there was a famine and he got himself a job. Imagine he, a Jew, taking care of the pigs and he even wanted to eat the husks that they ate and he finally said to himself, why, the servants in my father's house have got plenty to eat and I'm starving to death. I'm going home. And then this backslider who had wasted his life, who had really had himself a wild ball, who had spent his days and threw it all away in immorality, yes, in wine and in women and in song, he decided to go home. And he was going to tell his father, he was going to tell him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. And make me as one of your hired servants. And so uh, this backslider came back, Jesus says. And when he came back, his father saw him, and his father had mercy on him. And his father ran to him and threw his arms around him and continued to kiss him and to hug him and to love him. And when the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son, the father turned to one of the servants and said, Go get the best suit of clothes that we've got and put it on him, and get a ring for his finger and get shoes for his face, and go kill the fatted calf. We're going to meet, and we're going to eat, and we're going to be married because my son that was dead is alive again. The son that was lost is found. This parable, again, Jesus wants you and me to know this, uh, that our God delights. It's the thrill of his existence. He would rather do it than eat. And that is this, the joy of forgiving and restoring the backslider when he comes back, even though he has wasted his entire life in having a ball, in really living it up, in having a binge, and even going out and having all the escapades of worldly pleasures, even that man, when he comes back, Jesus says, it's the delight of my Father's life. It's his joy to forgive that man that has wasted his life in riotous and in wild living and to restore him. And you and I may say, as Jesus says, this is what I want to show you and I may say that's hard to believe 
We may say to ourselves, you mean to say that God delights, that it's the joy of his existence to restore the backslider who has gone out and thrown his life away in immorality and drunkenness and in carousing, and then he comes back and God delights and rejoices, and it's the thrill of his existence to reinstate that person who has really had a ball, who has wasted his life, and you may say, that doesn't go down so good. That's hard to believe. You may say to me, wait a minute, preacher, tell it as it is. Finish the story. How about the other son? How about the son that didn't go out? The son that wasn't a backslider? The son that stayed home? How about him? Yes, I'm going to tell it as it is. That's the way to do it because the story isn't ended. When this son, the second one, came from the field and heard the merrymaking, he wanted to know what was going on. And one of the servant boys said, Why, your brother's back. Yeah, your brother that went out and lived it up. The brother that went out and sowed to the flesh. The one that went out and he's back home and your father killed the fatted calf because he's back home safely and Oh, that older brother became rather angry and he wouldn't go in. And then the father came out and he pled with him, come on in. And he said, I won't go in. He says, the idea, he says, I have spent a lifetime working for you. He said, I've never gone against your will and you've never as much as even given me a kid that I could celebrate with my friends. And then when your son comes home, the one that wasted his life with harlots and loose women and immorality and incest, you kill the fatted calf and you rejoice. I'm not going in. And the father says to him, he says, Son, he said, you've always been with me. Everything I have is yours. It's right. It's the thing to do. He said, to be merry and to weep and to rejoice. Because, he says, your brother that was dead is alive again. The one that was lost is found. And today in this parable that you and I know so well, Jesus assures us that it's the delight of God, our Heavenly Father's life. It's the thrill of his existence to restore the backslider who comes back to forgive him, to reinstate him, even though that backslider has thrown his life away and has had himself a ball from the word go, who has run the gamut of the world's pleasures and its sins from one end to the other. He has wasted his life. It's been a wild ball all the way. Jesus says, your heavenly Father delights to forgive him. And you and I must say, I can't accept that. I can't believe that. Because those of us who have never gone out and been a backslider, we may say, this just isn't fair. This isn't right. This isn't good. Because we may say, well, after all, that's given the backslider every advantage over us. We may say, well, this means he can have his cake and eat it too. This means that he can say all this in heaven too. You and I may say, what an advantage, therefore, if this is true, what an advantage the backslider has. He's got the luxury of going on and living it up. The luxury of going out and throwing his life away and wine, women and song, and still the luxury of eternal life. You and I say, where is there any justice in that? Where is there any good or anything that's right in that? What an advantage, oh, this backslider has. The luxury of having a ball. And then the luxury of eternal life to boot. Have you ever felt that way? You and I may say this morning, well, let's be smart. Let's go out 
and let's be backsliders. This is what God wants. This is what he seems to prefer. This seems to have the advantage of the delight of his life to restore the backslider who comes back even though he has wasted his life and thrown it away. And you and I would say, well, then I ought to be smart. I'm not very smart. Look at the advantage that the backslider has over those of us who haven't backslidden. The luxury of living it up the luxury of having a ball in the world's pleasures and still having eternal life. Is it such an advantage? Let's look at it this morning. Is there such an advantage to the backslider that comes back who again wastes his life in riotous living, in reckless and wild living, who wastes his life in wine, women, and song, who really has a ball? Is that such an advantage. Christ reminds you and me in the first place of that those of us who have not been guilty of backsliding, we have the joy of possessing him as Savior. The backslider has lost him. What advantage is there to the backslider? Let's look at him. You may say, what advantage? Why, to go out and to live to the world and to live it up. But when he went away from the father's house, what happened? He lost the father, didn't he? Went away from love and mercy. When the backslider leaves Jesus Christ, when he has been baptized in his name, when he has come into the kingdom of grace in Jesus Christ, when he goes away and starts to backslide, he loses that Christ. He turns his back on him, the Son of God, who came into the world and died for him on the cross, who bore hell and damnation for him. That's the spiritual condition of the backslider when he turns his back on Jesus Christ. Again, any advantage in that? And you and I, again, we must say to ourselves, I've never backslidden, I've never gone out and lived to the world. Well, that means that we are still in grace and we still have Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And you may say, well, where's there any advantage for that? The advantage of this, that those of us who have not backslidden, we have life and salvation at any moment in our life. Death can come any time. But the backslider's lost. The backslider is lost. You know what it means to be lost? You ever been lost as a kid? Did you ever get lost? You ever, were you ever any more frantic in your life? That when again, as a child, you got lost. You looked around for mother and she wasn't there. I can think back in my life as a child, and I think all of us can, when again, I got away from my mother. It was a horrible feeling. What must it be to be lost? When Jesus said about Judas, when again, he was lost and he hanged himself, and Jesus said it would be better for that man if he had never been born. What does it mean to be lost when Jesus said, what shall it gain and profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Supposing you and I could drink in the gamut and have the ball of immorality and drunkenness and carousing to the word go and lost our soul, Jesus says, what have you got? If you've lost your soul, there is no compromise for that. There is nothing that compensates. It must be hell to be lost. And yet to have Jesus Christ, those of us who have not again been backsliders, to know that death can come any time and to have Christ and life and salvation, where's the advantage? And yet you and I may say, like the older brother, and we may get angry, say, is that the kind of a God? God is our Heavenly Father, that he delights, that it's the joy of his life, that he thrills to forgive the backslider when the backslider comes back, even though he has really gone out and lived it up, even though he's had himself a ball, even though he has run the gamut of immorality and incest and drunkenness from A to Z, 
and God delights in forgiving and restoring that person. And we may say, oh, what an advantage, what advantage. The advantage of being lost. That's why today when we hear this story that we've heard since childhood, we ought to say to ourselves, there's one thing I've got to believe and hold fast to, uh, that God, who is my Heavenly Father, absolutely that he delights in forgiving the backslider when he comes back. Even though he has, again, he's had himself a ball. Even though he has drunk in all the immoralities and he's had his binges, and again he has gone out and he has simply, with all the escapades of life, he has drunk them to the very dregs. We ought to say to ourselves, I've got to believe this. I've got to believe that it's the joy of God's life because you see in your life and mine, even though some of us may say today, I've never backslidden, I've never turned to the world, you and I may. Let him who thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Oh, it's possible, it's just a short way from the Father's house to turn. And here is Satan again, the devil, and the world in our own flesh beckoning to us and saying, here is joy. Here is real living. Now, this is the way to have a ball. And it's so easy. And then if that should come, and God forbid that it should, we may say, but I remember one time knowing this, that God delights in forgiving and reinstating someone who has gone away. Because, you see, not every backslider comes back. So many of them say it's hopeless. Look what I've done. I have gone out and I have had myself a ball. I have lived in drunkenness and immorality and carousing. It's so hopeless lest you and I should ever get to that place in life where it seems hopeless. That again, we would despair and say salvation is beyond us. Write it on your soul this morning in the parable of the prodigal son that our God delights. It's the joy of his existence to reinstate a backslider who comes back even though he has had the wildest kind of a life, even though he has wasted every day of it in wild living and is heading up a ball, wine, women, and song, remember it. You and I may need that comfort. Oh, this parable of the prodigal son, you've known it since childhood. Did you know what it means? Jesus says in this parable, I want to assure you that God, your heavenly Father, he delights, he rejoices, he is happy. It's the joy of his existence to reinstate a backslider that comes back even though that individual has had the wildest kind of a life, even though it's been wine, women, and song all the day and he's thrown his life away and he's misspent it. God delights, it's the joy of his existence you and I, again, if we say to ourselves, well, I've never backslidden. Uh, why, that can't be true. That isn't right. That isn't fair. Why, it gives all the advantage to the person that is, again, the backslider. It gives him the luxury of going out and living to the world and the luxury of heaven. All this in heaven till he can have his cake and eat it too. Oh, you and I can work ourselves up into a dither like the older brother. Isn't that right? We can say it isn't fair. It isn't right. But oh, again, God is the God that delights in that. It's fair. Where is there any advantage of, again, backsliding and living it up for the world? Jesus, in the second place, would remind you and me of this, that those of us who have not backslidden, we have this joy, the joy of holy living. The backslider has what? He has momentary joy, to be sure. But it's mingled. It's not an unalloyed joy. It's one that is always mingled with a sense of guilt. 
We say, oh, the advantage there must be to have your cake and eat it too. To go on out and sow your wild oats. Go on out and live with the world. Go out and have yourself a ball. Why not? God delights. It's the thrill of his existence to welcome you back. Oh, what an advantage. Go out, you can have your cake and eat it too. Any advantage in backsliding? You may say, there must be joy in it. You and I may stand here. There must be joy in drunkenness. There must be joy in immorality. There must be joy in carousing. The world says there is. And you and I look out and say, there must be. Look at those who say, this is it. Oh, there has to be momentary joy, doesn't there? But is it, is it a complete joy? Is there something mixed in with it? You see, God made you and me moral beings, didn't he? And we got a conscience. And there's a sense of right and wrong in you and me. And again, when the traces are kicked over and you go to that far country and you say, I'm going to live it up, what happened? There's a constant within that sort of spoils everything, doesn't it? You got, again, you live with yourself and at the end, again, we throw ourselves away and we come back and there's something within that says it's wrong, something that gnaws, and oh, uh, it's a pain within, isn't it? I take there was Solomon, and Solomon was talking about this. And Solomon, with his thousand wives, and he was tempted, he said, I went out and I drank it all in. Solomon says, there wasn't anything that I didn't do. What does he end up with saying? He says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. He says, all is frustration. Solomon said, I've run the gamut of it all. I have lived it up. There isn't anything that I didn't do. And then he says, it's all frustration. Oh, with this sense of guilt, what spoils it, and what happens? When a man goes out and he's going to live to the world and he's going to have himself a ball, what happens in drunkenness? Oh, in Saufen as the Germans would say, and you talk about the next morning with the cuts and yummer, and there comes the vomiting and the illness and the morning after, and again the man living to the world says, oh, this is part of it, there's not much fun here. And in immorality, when a man becomes a libertine and he goes out and he says, this is the way it's going to be, what happens? I've had young ladies come to my study and I've had young men with the leather jackets from the motorcycle gangs. I've had them come in where again everything is incest. And I've had young ladies tell me what it means to be a mama in a group with the motorcycle group what it means when everybody can have you and how finally, even with throwing the life away, the joy is all gone and it becomes a horrible experience. I've had young men in saying again, in going out and being promiscuous, what it means to become impotent again. Even the power of immorality is gone in the human body. When again you've drunk it all and everything is jaded, when everything is frustration, when in carousing again, they come back and they say, it's all gone. You see, God made us that these things can never satisfy. And you take the dope addict, how long is it a joy? A joy when he's finally hooked and he will go out and murder and he'll go out and steal in order to get a fix. Any fun in it? No! No fun. But oh, to get rid of the jitters to get rid of having his guts turn itself upside down, to get rid of misery. Where is there any advantage? I would like to ask, in the temporary joy of going out and living it up, when again there is a sense of guilt within a human being, no joy in holy living? Will you and I forget that Christ was the happiest person that ever lived? 
and it was holy living. The joy of holy living is the joy of holy living. The Christian that doesn't backslide, when he lives Christ, he finds the joy of peace of mind. He finds the joy of peace within. He finds the joy of the assurance of a living faith. The man that goes out, and the man that goes out and becomes a backslider, even when he comes back and he is reinstated, he's got some horrible memories to live with. And he lives with them until he dies. And people don't let him forget it. Oh, I think of David. You know, David, again, he thought he was a king. He could do anything. He went on and lived it up. You bet he did. David went out and, oh, here he saw Bathsheba. And she was a beautiful woman. And he called her over. And there was adultery and incest. And it was great. And she became pregnant and going to have a child. And he killed her husband so that everything would look nice. And after it was all over and there came things of conscience. You know, one day he was walking down the road with some of his military men. The man was standing on the side road. The man started to blaspheme David and to jibe at him. You can imagine what he was saying. When David was walking by, he said, you old blasphemer, you. You old adulterer, you murderer, you. You white stealer, you cheater. And one of the soldiers alongside of David said, let me go over and cut off his head. And David said, no, don't cut off his head. What he's saying is true. You live with him, don't you? You say in advantage, oh, you know, sometimes we say, why, this thing can't be right. Why, have your cake and eat it too. All this in heaven too, to go out and to live it up. And then you can still have heaven and God gladly forgives and reinstates. Oh, what an advantage, the luxury of, again, living it up. The luxury of having a ball. And then still the luxury of heaven. Oh, again, no. The unpleasant memories that you live with. God forgives, yes. But it's pretty tough to forgive ourselves, isn't it? And that's why when we look at this parable, we ought to say to ourselves, this is what it means. Jesus is saying this. He's assuring us that God delights in forgiving the backslider that comes back, even though, again, he's wasted his life in riotous and reckless and wild living, even though he's gone out and had himself a ball. God delights in doing it. Why? There's an advantage, we say, that God's saying, go out and do it. You know, I wonder if this morning isn't the time to just stop and say to ourselves, since God delights in forgiving the backslider, we ought to say to ourselves, you ought to say it to yourself and me to myself, are you and I envious of the backslider? Has the Satan from the diabolical powers of hell, have they made you and me a little bit jealous? Do you and I look at the man that has thrown his life away, that has wandered away from Christ, that has gone out in drunkenness and immorality and run the gun? Do you and I stand with our tongues hanging out, and are we a bit envious and a bit jealous? Is that what's wrong? You see, this older son, that's what was wrong with him. Read between the lines. He was saying, well, look, I, what I've done, I have worked for you all these years, and I've never gone against your will, and you've never even given me as much as a goat that I can celebrate with my friend. Oh, he was jealous. In other words, this guy that's my brother, that's your son, he goes out and lives it up, and then he gets the fat of care. Are you jealous? Are you and I missing something? I wonder if we are. What? A lot. I've ministered to many a person on his deathbed. I've got yet to minister to somebody 
who knew Jesus Christ and who, again, wasn't a backslider, whoever regretted it. But may I tell you, I could stand for the next hour and tell you about those who were backsliders, who looked back at their life and regretted it. Unrest, a sense of guilt. I could tell you many a story about that. Are you and I jealous? We ought to this morning say to God, God, forgive me for being crazy. Forgive me for ever being jealous of, again, the individual that has backslidden, gone out, and sold to the world and had himself a ball. Pray, God, jealous, jealous, if you only knew what goes on within, again, the heart of those individuals. This is what this parable is all about. You may not have understood it, but Jesus is saying in this parable, he's assuring us that God, again, he delights in forgiving and reinstating the backslider when he comes back, even though he has gone out and lived it up and he, again, has had himself a ball he has had all the binges that life could do. He has had all the escapades. He has gone out and had himself really everything. God delights. It's the joy of his existence. Why? Ah, uh, there's no advantage. God is taking it too, and you and I say that's not right. Why, sure that's right. Because God says, why, don't you realize that he that was dead is alive again? And Christ would remind you and me also of this, that those of us who have not been guilty of backsliding, we have had the joy of working for him, of showing mercy and using our hands for God. But the backslider, what? What fun has he had in life? What fun has he had except this, the memory of a wasted life? Where's there any advantage in a wasted life? I've had funerals where individuals have said to me, the man, he was his own worst enemy. But he injured only himself. That's a lie. No man ever lives and only hurts himself. No man ever turns his back on God and goes out and lives for the world and hurts only himself. He hurts others. Oh, when a man goes out in debauchery and incest and lives it up again, even though he may not care what happens to himself, what about those who love him? How about the tears and the heartaches? How about the broken homes? How about the kids? How about the children? Because you never in the world ever just hurt yourself. No man's an island. You and I never go out as a backslider. But what again? We waste our own lives and we hurt the lives of others. But when those of us who have not backslidden, we have what joy? The joy, again, of working for Christ. The joy of showing mercy to our fellow men. The joy of showing kindness, of being Christ's hands, of giving to those that need it, of letting them see what a great God we have, and then this joy that at the end of life there will be some in heaven who are there because of the influence of your life and mine. That we have had life and salvation in Jesus Christ, and they have it too. And oh, what advantage does the man who has been the backslider have when if it ends up and he's lost his own soul and there are some in hell because of him? What must it be like to have somebody in hell to go to a backslider and say, I'm in hell because of you, because of the influence of your life. You lived enough and that's the influence you had on me. Hell must be in a horrible place of regret when the backslider must say, I 
not only put myself in hell, but I have dragged others. They've lost their soul because of me. Well, you and I, again, you may be the older brother, and we may say, this thing doesn't look right. God, you say God delights, and it's the joy of his, that's right. It's the joy of his existence to restore a backslider, a wanderer. Yes, a renegade that has gone away. When you and I can say, I'm going to believe that, and that's fair, because God doesn't want any soul lost. The backslider's lost. God doesn't want us so long. God says he's dead, he's alive again. And when we believe that, then if there's any one of us here today who are backsliders, we're living it up. We turn the back on him. We're out, we're, oh, we're having ourselves a ball. Nothingness, immorality, carousing, big stuff. Oh, we're living it up. And again, before it's too late, to bear in mind that God is this kind of a God. He delights in forgiving if we come back. Let no man despair and say, oh, it's hopeless. When that son came to himself, he must have been crazy. When everything was gone and life had been misspent, and he had lived it all up, and he began to realize, and he came to his senses that the servants in the father's house had plenty to eat, and he was hungry. He wasn't too proud to say, I'm going back. I'm going to tell my father that I have sinned. And he starts back, but oh, this is a beautiful picture, and thank God it's in Scripture. The father was waiting for the backslider, and he saw the backslider before the backslider ever saw him, and he ran to him and threw his arms around him and kept on kissing him. The Greek says he continued to kiss him. No, you've got to get a suit to put on him. You've got to put a ring on his finger. And you've got to put shoes on his feet. Because my son that was dead is alive. Don't you understand? He was dead and he's alive. He was lost and he found it's right. Don't let anybody sitting here in church this morning feel that it's hopeless. Oh, no. And Jesus again, oh, this merrymaking. You talk about the fatted calf. Jesus was God's lamb that died, and we have the privilege of Holy Communion this morning. And Jesus says, here is the banquet. By means of holy bread and wine, I give you my body and my blood that was given and shed on the cross to open up heaven for all men. This is for you. If you've been a backslider, here are the two great erasers, my body and my blood. If you come sorry and ask me to forgive, my body and my blood will erase from your soul every trace of backsliding. I'll remember your sins no more. I'll forget them and I forgive you. You can go in peace and the joy of salvation. That's the kind of a God you and I have. That's the kind of a God worth knowing. Today is just kind of a special day in my life. This is the 14th of June. 39 years ago today I was ordained into the Christian ministry took place back at the home congregation where my folks grew up and my grandparents were charter members back in Zion Lutheran Church in South Chicago, Illinois. I was a child when we moved to St. Louis, but my folks wanted the ordination back in the home church. Thirty-nine years in the ministry. Thirty-nine years of privilege of letting people know what a great God we've got. And in thirty-nine years again, with every spirit of appreciation, God's given me thirty-nine years and I've never missed a Sunday on the illness. 
I don't deserve that. I know that. God's given me help. And I've tried in 39 years, almost 33 of them here. Since 1943, we've been on the air. I have tried to let individuals know that this is not a glass house made up of perfect people. I tried to let individuals know in church and on the radio that this is a hospital. This is the place where we want sinners to come. This is the place for the backsliders. This is the place for those that have lived it up and are feel so hopeless. This is the place for those that are ill, that they might come into God's sanctuary and just get a view of what a great God we've really got, wonderful and magnificent, a God that forgives. And as long as there's breath within me and you want me to keep on, I'm willing to go on and to just let you have a tremendous view of what a great God we've got. And I hope that you can go out of church this morning feeling just a little bit brighter, walking a little more erect, thanking God to have been here, that we've got such a wonderful God that it's the delight of his life to forgive backsliding, people like you and people like me. And I hope you can walk the glory road today and take another look at him and say, Oh God, how great thou art. How great thou art. How great thou art. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.